If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump. So for the first 42 minutes, Adam, Justin, and myself uh, have some fun introductory conversation. We had a party, Sal. Before we get into the fitness question, so here's what we talked about. Uh, We started out by talking about movie remakes. Uh, I covered Planet of the Apes. By the way, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the original Planet of the Apes, (laughs) I give away the ending. If you haven't seen it by now, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, Then we talked about our future butcher box cook-off. We're going to cook a bunch of food, prep a bunch of food, vacuum seal a bunch of food. By the way... If you go to butcherbox.com forward slash mind pump, we got you guys a hookup. You're going to get $20 off and, ready for this? Yeah. Ground beef for life. Two oh, pounds. Snap. Two pounds for life included and free shipping. So we got you guys a hookup. Then Adam talked about his front squat and how awesomely mobile he's becoming. I talked about the Matt Croc documentary, Transformer, will blow your mind. Make sure you check that out. Justin finally watched. Dawn Wall, that documentary still blows us away. I feel like now I'm part of the conversation. That's right. We talked about the value that extreme personalities provide society, why we're so enamored by crazy people who decide to climb uh, El Capitan, for example. Um, Then we talked about Warren Buffett and how he talked about the changing business landscape. That was fun. Uh, I talked about how excited I am to reach out to people in person this year. I'll be doing trainings where I'm teaching trainers things like sales skills, for example. And then Adam gave some very interesting Instagram statistics. Then we get into answering the fitness questions. The first question was, does sprinting increase the strength gains of your legs or is it just cardio? Like, should you sprint if you want to build more strength in your legs? And who is appropriate when it comes to sprinting? Mm-hmm. Next question, uh, we talk about the importance of sleep and exercise. If you had to pick one or the other, let's say you had terrible sleep and you got to work out in the morning, which one do you pick? Which one's more important, sleep or exercise? The next question, uh, what do we think is the bigger culprit for bad health these days? Is it the inactivity that we have with our desk jobs and our cell phones, or is it the bad eating habits? Which one is more responsible for our current shitty health? And the final question, this is a personal trainer asking us how they keep their clients accountable to the simple tasks that they ask them to do. So it sounds like they have a stubborn client. How can you get that client to do what you want them to do? Yeah, also, this month, MAPS Aesthetic, one of our most popular MAPS programs ever. This is the MAPS program designed for people whose main goal is shaping, sculpting, and building an aesthetic body. So if you look at your body like a sculptor and you need a little more muscle here, a little less muscle there, you want to build and shape your body, you need the program that allows you to do that, it's MAPS Aesthetic. It's bodybuilder-focused, physique competitor-focused, it's bikini competitor-focused, lots of volume, so make sure you know that this workout is not easy. But anyway, it's 50% off. That's the cool part. Half off. All you got to do is go to mapsfitnessproducts.com. Use the code BLACK50, black five zero for 50% off. And there's other MAPS programs on that site as well. So if you find other programs that are more appropriate for your fitness level and your goals, they're all going to be on that site. Again, it's mapsfitnessproducts.com. Let's see how good <laughs> let's see how good you are, Justin, because so far, Whoa. so far, every time I make a reference to a movie, uh, you, you keep get, trying to test me, dude. You get I, it. I don't I don't know why. You're I'm like, terrible at this game. Bro, yeah. 
I'm convinced that Justin's fucking Rain Man for this shit. He's like, only if it's like like the most ridiculous jingle for a commercial or like a cartoon reference from the 80s, 90s. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It, it, That's like my wheelhouse. Yeah, it's just it's a, there's a Rain Man uh, ability <laughs> specific though. It's very narrow. It's, yeah, okay. it's, it's like it's a very, card it's count. Yeah. It just doesn't. I apply. wish I worked in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I, I really do. I know. Isn't that great? Well, now we yeah. have a podcast, so we get some use out of it. All right, so sweet. Who said this quote right here? Ready? Oh, my God. Here and we go. I'm going to act it out a little bit, so it's going to be a big hint. Okay. Open your mind. Do you don't remember? Open your mind. Open your mind. Like oh, ju- it's it's ringing right now. I know it. <sighs> it's not. It, it makes his face like it's this. It's not Labyrinth. Oh, uh, no. Don't remember, huh? No. The Batman? You, you got me first. Oh, there it is. What is that? Click on that right there. Oh, Total Recall? Yeah. Damn it. You're right. Yeah, remember, Total Recall. Remember uh, Kato, Quato? Oh, Quato. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. right there, dude. Bro, if you did it all wrong. You should have done it from your stomach like this. I was I fucking remember. doing no, it. No, you didn't get uh, up here. Yeah, you tricked me. How many clues do you need? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Throw I still, me a bone here. I still wouldn't even have got that one, but that yeah. should, you should have Quato, dude. The, yeah, the I, little the I'm going to have to get you back. So. Baby creature coming out of the dude. Did you just rewatch this that recently? Was psycho. No, I just I will never. Head. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna like look up the most obscure study that was held, you know, somewhere like from random part of the world, and I'm gonna quiz you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. What I want you to do just is just for put me on blast. I'm good with movies too. Yeah, I know. If I've it's... seen the movie, I'll know. Right. But this this scene to me is hilarious because the Quado is the you know the little baby looking creature coming out of the dude's stomach. Yeah, he's the psychic guy that can connect with people's minds. Yeah, so they have a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, they're... but the part of this that makes me uh, feel uneasy is, and we already passed the part. It's when he's doing the open your mind, and he looks like this ugly little baby. Yeah, he's just yeah. when you look at the guy that he's attached to, the guy's making this face right here. Like, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. like he's orgasming yes. as this thing's coming out. <laughs> I remember as a kid watching that, me, me and my cousin were Dude, like, what the fuck? What a freaky movie, though. I mean, and they had that Brilliant one. Movie. They showed that girl with three, three breasts. Of course. I mean, that's what we all remember, right? That's the most, if you would have gone in that direction, hello. Yeah. I would have had this. Yeah, I, I would have owned that. What a, what, a, what a simple way of looking at like, oh, if men like yeah. two breasts, then, must, then they'll like five breasts. You ever heard <laughs> that, that one song? So I go there, you know the rest. The best part was the girl with three breasts. No, what is that? Total re recalling. It does the uh, Tom... Um, oh. Petty. Pump Petty. Yeah, free, no, free I do not See, oh, I got that. Great. Yeah, That's great. Every once in a while I get one. What Look a, it up, man. It's out there in the internet. Great song. They, they re, the remake of Total Recall was fucking garbage. I, I really hate it when they remake a classic and they do a shitty job. Yeah, we it. sound like old men when we say stuff like that. <sighs> yeah, but you know what was good? Judge Dredd. Because I don't watch that. Don't the, original the new sucked, one? Though. The original song. Oh, sucked. dude, the new one's badass. Don't you guys remember being a kid and, and watching with your, your dad or your uncle or somebody and watching a movie and loving it? Yeah. And then he'll be like, oh, stupid. The original was yeah. so much better. Well, no, no, what's worse than that is the people that read the book and they're like, this is nothing like the book. Well, of course. You can't, you can't put <laughs> so a book I don't, in it. That's why I don't read novels. You're, yeah. you're stupid. No, no, no. Hold on like, a second. Oh, wow. You, no, you're right, Adam, but I will say this. Uh, oftentimes it's true. For example, okay? Planet of the Apes, they think they did a decent job with the remake. I do. I think they did a decent I, job. I, I love it. But the original, I'll tell you why the original was better. The original was better, not because of the special effects and all that, because that's not it fair. You Charlton can't compare. Heston. 
It's because the first time you watched Planet of the Apes, you had no idea what was going to happen at the end, and you can never recreate that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like at the end of Planet of the Apes, you, you know. Let me paint the picture because I know our audience is a lot of our audience is young. You're watching this movie. The astronauts go off into space. They crash land on some weird planet. And, you know, one of the dudes dies. The other guy, you know, uh, I think he loses his voice or whatever, gets shot in the throat. I don't remember what happened, but he's trying to escape and he's getting rounded up by these weird monkey-looking aliens on horseback that are rounding him up. And he can't talk because he gets shot in the throat. So the whole movie, you're looking at this, you're like, what fucked up planet did they land on? This is crazy. No, I can get behind that. You know what? Yeah, it bothers me because I know how much of a business it is now uh, for studios and even having a... I uh, forget his name, come in like uh, that we just interviewed. And he was kind of getting behind, you know, the whole business beside, you know, behind the studios yeah. as far as like thinking internationally what's going to sell the best. It's all about brands. And yeah. Shit, and and it, these are already established storylines. Yeah. So they're just going to keep recreating these things. Uh, but what's great now, though, that's why I think we are all drawn more towards mm-hmm. the streaming and the Netflix and the original Because they can do that. Yeah. You know, because again, at the end of Planet of the Apes, you don't know that he's on Earth. Right. You figured out at it's the very end when he goes off into the no man's land and he sees half of the Statue of Liberty and he realizes, oh, fuck, we were just in space forever. We came back down to Earth and this is what's happened. And it blew your mind. Like, imagine watching a remake of uh, The Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. Like, how could it possibly deli- remember at the end of Sixth Sense how you were just like, are no. you fucking kidding? Blew your mind. Yeah. yeah, they can't recreate that. That's all. That's the thing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So well, I, I guess like if you've never, thing. I guess if you've never seen it though, it doesn't matter. Right? What the yeah, twist? Right? Was that the that was after that whole yeah. thing? Yeah. And then yeah. what's his name? Uh, Shyamalan. Yeah. Shyamalan. He, and then every movie he made, he tried to make a twist. And you're like, yeah, right, you're like trying, everyone. Yeah, you're trying too hard. So now. Come on, man. Yeah. Hey, you know what we should do? We should watch. I know nailed it once. We've been talking about movies and, and documentaries, and I've been wanting to. Did you uh, do your vacuum seal and prepare uh, or uh, prep your meal yet? Or so we did some, uh, but we didn't do. So I got my butcher box coming. Um, I think it's coming next week, if I'm not mistaken. I got a big box, and I want to do. Didn't, we talked about doing like a cook-off, right? Let's well, so, yeah, so I, mine is, I, we just got ours in. So I've got mine. I'm ready to go. Um, and I, I was, we were going to prep ourselves. I was like, and I was telling Katrina, I'm like, you know what we should do? I know Sal was talking about doing this anyways. We should make a day out of it. Mm. And we'll just all get together and we'll we'll prep and watch fucking movies, hang out, bullshit, and just t- t- tear the kitchen up for an entire day, but set out the whole month worth of, worth of meals absolutely yeah. because a big part of and the thing of course i love about butcher box right delivered to your door it's good quality but here's the thing that is so important about uh you know eating healthy is because modern life involves the ease of access to food and any flavor and whatever you want anytime um it's almost impossible or at least it's very difficult to not have a good diet if you don't have some structure and some planning. It's just very difficult because if you leave out planning, then you're at the whims of what's in the office or I'm hungry on the way to work or what are we eating tonight? And it's not, it's just much more difficult. I've never been able to get into elite shape without prepping. Oh, if you're I, gonna go that level, yeah, for sure. I can. I can be in like I'm like I. I would consider myself like in, in healthy, good shape right now. Like the average person that would walk by me would go, okay, that guy probably works out. He takes care. He probably eats well. 
but I don't get the like, like. He looks like a swimmer. He's <laughs> <laughs> got that swimmer body. It's starting to happen already. I don't know, dude. Yeah. Kind of, right? I don't know. You're, you're, yeah, your butt's too big still. Yeah, well, it's because I'm squatting still yeah, a lot. You're fucking up, dude. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> all the way out. in on the swimming thing. It's like I don't want to. I don't want a complete swimmer body. So I'm still. I'm finding that like yeah, the legs. I'm still. I'm. Tr- I'm training my legs uh, quite a bit uh, with that. But I've I've backed off on my shoulders, arms, and then probably my chest, and then my back. I'm I'm not doing as much on my back. Are you t- are you in, so right now? It sounds like you're a little bit torn between the 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 building muscle stuff that you always loved and this new hardcore goal. I would I would a great swimmer. I wouldn't say I, no, and I wouldn't say that's my hardcore goal. I I wouldn't say I'm torn at all. I I know that I want to improve my swimming technique, and I'm enjoying learning a new skill. And going there, every time I go there, I feel better than I was the time before as far mm-hmm. as the, the skill set of it. Uh, I'm not caring that much to be just a great swimmer. O- otherwise, I would be training very little and only trying to complement the swimming. Where, that's what I mean. You're 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 still in both worlds. You're not yeah, like, you know, oh, that's it. I'm going to be a, a... Yeah, no, definitely not. I, and it's what I would like is I'd like to be pretty fast in the pool and have good technique and 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 build my my endurance up a little bit to where I could go and and swim for 30 minutes and have a good time but then also have a a pretty balanced aesthetic physique so there I'm still tr- and so the things that are, that are the most neglected are the legs in swimming for sure I mean my it's all upper- big legs are a detriment right yeah. so uh, that's what I'm training the most right now so the most that I'm the body parts that I'm focused on the most inside the gym is my my legs and then, like the uh, hitting you know, a lot of those front squats, huh? Yeah, yeah. And you see that? You see the mobility, yeah. The other yeah, day, huh? bro, that, you used yeah, to hate looking. when we first met. You hated front squats with Be- a passion because I was. You know what? It's and I'm sure I'm not alone on this. A lot of people probably don't like them, and they suck. Really, they suck already. They're challenging, right? They're not. They're not an easy mm-hmm. movement. But they're even harder when you have really poor mobility. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, I didn't have the shoulder mobility. I didn't have the wrist mobility. I didn't have the thoracic mobility. I didn't have the hip mobility. I didn't have the ankle mobility. I had none of that going for me when we were doing well, it Just before. seeing you in the, the front rack position with your wrists like back like that was a huge improvement yeah. already. Well, I mean, do, do you want to know what's funny? I Now, aside from the wrist thing, because when I do a front squat, I do the old school bodybuilder cross arm you know, cheating version or whatever. The genie squat. Yeah, but I have uh, better mobility with front squats than I do with back squats. I can sit in a front squat way easier than I could in a back squat. And I don't know what that quite says about my mobility issues. And that's mm. that's rare, right? How often do you see someone like that? It's usually the other way around, mm-hmm. isn't it? I've had some people tell me that. that it's you have? It, just because it forces you in a more upright position. Right. And, and that forcing you in a more You're upright. Compensating for any kind of forward lean. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I just can sit in it. And nah, I can't lift more weight. That's not what I'm saying. I just My range of motion comes easier with a front squat than it does uh, with a back squat, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Interesting. I, I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying it now because, uh, again, the, and the thing that's been the neat, uh, the, the, probably the coolest that I have found where I'm at today compared to where I was two years ago is, you know, the last two years were fucking boring and grueling and nothing cool to celebrate, really. It was just a lot of mobility work and getting a little bit more range of motion, a little bit more range of motion, much weaker than what I'm used to being. But now I'm getting able to kind of express that, which is kind of fun. Like now I feel like I can I could literally go right into a, a, a deep astagrass squat with loaded right now. No warm up, no prime, no anything. Uh, that's how how far I've come. That's a, that's a good point to make too, because it's it's important for people to know that getting to 
a point of good mobility is a lot more work than it takes to stay there. Yeah. So now, like now, all I do, and that's what was the motivation behind the, you know, trying to learn the snatch and trying to get good at the overhead squat is these types of movements that not only express that, but then will also complement me staying mobile because in order for me to perform those movements, you've mm-hmm. got to have good mobility. So as long as I start to incorporate them in my routines on a more regular basis, I, I almost feel like I, I don't have to do nowhere near the amount of work that I was no. doing to get here. No, you know, it's funny. I, I was asking you about, you, you know what it reminded me of this conversation because you said how you're kind of one foot in both worlds. Um, I watched a documentary yesterday that uh, fucking blew my mind. Do you guys know who my, Matt Croc was or is? The name sounds familiar. I should say was, uh, but Matt Croc was hmm. a f- major figure in the strength powerlifting world. Like this dude was uh, a world record holder at some point in the deadlift. Um, uh, incredibly strong dude, super jacked, super alpha, used to be a Marine. He invented the croc row, which is the hand up on the dumbbell rack, heavy ass, kind of shorter range of motion row that we now see lots of uh, bodybuilders do. Oh, yeah. oh wow. He, he, he invented that one? That he, they call it, they actually, well, Doug, they if, you, called it if you look up croc row, you'll probably see you know what I'm talking about. There he is. Oh yeah, yeah, super familiar. So so the dude Whoa, is a, that second picture isn't familiar. Yeah, th- so the dude was a just a fucking beast, and I knew of him. I was a fan of his for quite a while. It was very very well known. And then you know years later, uh, you know this. So it's an interesting story. He, a lot of people didn't know this, but he was battling, and he had been battling for a long time, um, transgender issues, where he felt like he was you know in the body of a man, and he was actually a woman. And what he did was he made a Instagram page with this with his new identity, which was I think it's Janae Croc, mm. and he posted it with a, you know the wig and the makeup and all that stuff. Some YouTuber found the Instagram page, put two and two together, and outed him. Wow! And so he did that just all on his own, just to kind of put it out there, but not like he wasn't trying to tell anybody out himself about it. No, wow. he wasn't trying to tell anybody. He got outed. And um, then he had to kind of come out, come kind of come clean. And so this documentary is showing this, and I, excellent documentary because. And here's why I like it so much. First off, it shows that he, and you can clearly see he has a phenomenal relationship with his sons. He's got two boys or three boys. Phenomenal father, and the way he navigates it actually is quite uh, incredible. I like that because. I want people to be able to see stuff like that because how whatever you whatever you believe when it comes to transgenderism, um, I think this documentary shows that you know you could still be a phenomenal, you still can be a great person, great parent um, with all that. Um, the th- the second thing that's fascinating is obviously he's a jacked dude, right? Super super jacked. Right. When he transitions to female, he doesn't want to lose all his muscle. He loves being a big, strong person. So this he, is where my brain starts to fry. He so he he transitions to be a female, but he still or she now is still running testosterone. Super jacked. obviously. And now in the documentary, he said he's not. Or you know, right, she's, she right, said she's not. You think he's not running testosterone? Well, right there? here's the deal. Like, how many people have we met that were worked out for decades, were on gear for decades, then afterwards went off, tried to lose muscle, and they did, but they're still just mm. jacked. So I, I kind of believe her because then they show her lifting because she still lifts like crazy in right. powerlifting. Right, must still lift. And, yeah. the, and the strength is 
still strong, but not nearly like you know, like she you was. You think when that's was, no testosterone right there? That's what she said in the in the documentary. She's on on estrogen, and she's now made the full. She got this full facial construction surgery, got uh, her vocal cords changed so that her voice, you know, right, uh, went up. Has to wear a wig all the time because Matt had lost his hair, probably from anabolics or whatever. Um, but uh, fucking crazy documentary, such a well-made documentary. I highly recommend. Does he, watch it. does he? Does com- huh. he? Does she compete? Now or no. is she just into no still just lifting just lifts and it's funny because they show her, uh you know full transition lifting with Matt's old training partners, and these I mean I can't think of a more macho world than you know masculine world than like male powerlifters fucking smacking each other acting crazy or whatever right they are you can tell that Matt was a fucking awesome guy and that Janae you know awesome person. Training partner, everybody around him, they're all fucking loving. They all cool. They all cool, and and some of them don't even understand it. Some of them are like, "Look, I don't get it, but yeah, whatever, but whatever, whatever." Yeah. Love them. I know what you're a good person, so whatever. What a yeah. great! You guys got to check it out. Such a great. Documentary. Did you say that uh, Mark Bell had him on the show? Mark Bell had him on. Uh, had uh, pre-transition or um, when he when Matt was like kind of back and forth battling. You know, am I going to go full transition? Am I going to? Hmm. You know, what am I going to do? Because it's funny when, 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 you know, they talk about it in the documentary, how full transition, you know, Janae's afraid that she's going to lose the things that she liked about being Matt also. So it's interesting peering into the life of this, this whole situation, but it's cool because you like Matt was obviously a fucking awesome person. The kids, his kid, you should see him with his, with his boys. You're just like, Oh, this is just a great father. And then they show scenes where, you know, he's got his boys over this house and he's putting his makeup on and getting ready to go out. And the boys don't even fucking blink because they've known him for a long time. He's he's talked to them about it openly since they were is he young. Was he married or is yeah. he still? No, or, no. Okay. He, he got divorced uh, over it because, mm-hmm. he you know, he told his wife, hey, this is what I want to do. And yeah, and she obviously wasn't cool with it or whatever. But anyway, great documentary highly recommend you guys check check that out out. you know this is called there's a transformer it's called yeah it's called transformer so it's uh really good stuff that was not what i was expecting by the name more than meets the eye yeah Yeah. no i get worse no man i I texted you guys last night um to watch it i know (coughs) justin you watched um dawn wall instead yeah i did well i had to catch up to you guys you guys were like you know describing it in good right man it was epic like i told you i like almost like i almost got like emotional just because so if I ever get emotional, it's about things like that, where somebody, like, you don't see that very often, those characteristics from a human being that they are faced with so much adversity, but the way that they deal with that adversity, that's what gets me emotional. Mm-hmm. I'm know? like that, too. Yeah. His, his, how yeah. about his relationship? Like, remember the Titans, like, gets me, like, every time like, I watch oh, it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, yeah, like, puppy dies or whatever. No, like, yeah, super, that sucks. A but. super, uh, somebody face, someone facing super adversity and I mean, just something that you haven't ever dealt with, it can fathom, and then like overcoming it just gets me right. Because any one of those like things that happened to him, and then what, like the would've preceding, crushed. yeah, would have crushed so many people. Yeah, and it, it, that's what that's the thing that I was fascinated by is watching it. Is uh, first of all, that's a very normal thing to feel, Justin. I think everybody feels that, which is why people like that are elevated to so much popularity. But it's funny because he's he's just doing something that he wants to do that's crazy, crazy hard. It's not like he's solving a major problem and yet we revere him and it's uh it's because those attributes are things that 
we uh, we need. We mm-hmm. need those attributes in yeah. society. Not from everybody. If everybody was like that, society would crumble. Well, we'd all because die. it makes you, th- you 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 can't help but relate it. Even though even though I'm not a, a rock climber, but I can't help relate it back to myself. On like like maybe I'm in the middle of a, a project at work, and we're I'm working so hard at it, and then you know it's been six months. I'm grinding like six months, right? Which is a long time to be grinding on a project at work in my mind, and I find out at the end of it. You have to go back and do it all over yeah. again, or something. Yeah. And that would just think of how devastated you are as a normal person. And you're like, this dude's working on something for years, yeah. Yeah. and you know, loses a fucking finger. You well, know, like, not just that. Like he, I mean, he surpassed his partner. Like he made it. Like, but he way went further. But he went back. I know yeah. to pull somebody up with him. The yeah. character that doesn't get highlighted enough. No, yeah. the guy's character is just. But I think we we value it partially because we try to identify with it. But I think the other part is. Society needs crazy people like that, and we, we need that. We need yeah. that's how we advance. Look, let me tell you. Yeah, but don't you think that's the reason why it is? Is because we we relate to it and it elevates us. Because in some way. they do what we won't do. That's why. Because like, if you look at somebody like, uh, yeah, what's his name, Steve Jobs, or um, yeah, what's his name from Tesla? I can't believe it. Elon Musk. You know, and I know sometimes it gets cloudy because they're entrepreneurs and they're rich and all that stuff. But let me tell you, if you peered into their day-to-day life and what they did all the time, nobody would want to do that. Even if you had the capability, you wouldn't want to do it. You need motherfuckers like that to do shit like that because they're the ones that take us to the next level. That's why we value it so much. That's why I get annoyed when people, you know, bash people like that you know they don't have Ju- no judge idea. them because some some headline comes out and it's all of a sudden bezos is i hate piece it. of shit or oh. fuck it's like dude this motherfucker has done some more for our you know many people he's that he's employed if it wasn't for him like how much he's changed your life for the better yeah like, like it's uh, a, yeah, stop it, it you makes know because you don't like him as his personal life like obviously and here's the thing too most of those people are fucked up dude you have to yeah. be yeah so no, yeah, of course his fucking relationship with his wife or his kids or all that, like yeah, I mean like you're gonna judge him because of that motherfucker. You know what? He sacrificed all that to do all this crazy shit that we all enjoy every single day. Yeah, and what yeah. makes me really mad is when people look at guys like that or CEOs, you know, male, female doesn't matter, and they're like, oh, CEO of Walmart made you know twenty five million dollars, but they have this many employees on minimum wage. Okay, there's a reason why they get paid tw- however millions of dollars, and it's not because they're stealing money. It's because that's how much they're worth. To find somebody to do that job, you have to pay that much. Believe Mm -hmm. me, you pay for what you get and there's no company in the world that's successful that's going to overpay someone. That's just the market. There's, you're literally dealing with a pool of about 12 people in the world that can do it and the other ones are getting outbidded by other companies. Speaking of Walmart, uh, did you guys see the Warren Buffett video that I shared? I loved it. Oh yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. Tell him, you know, the book, The Four, man, uh, another one of the like real favorites that I've read in the last couple of years really uh, outlined this, and I feel like there's, you haven't heard a lot of people talking about it. It's getting more popular now, but uh, you know, you see, and, and Warren Buffett goes in the video and he's talking about you know Walmart and, um, and Amazon, Amazon are like two elephants. Mm-hmm. And all these they're other, fighting, they're, yeah, yeah, and they're and they're fighting, and it's just like it's inevitable that these little companies just get smashed. Yeah, they just get stomped in the, in their fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, when the thing that he said that was really interesting, and we saw this with Costco, I think was first, is that these companies are doing such a good job. The, these retailers are selling their own products so well that the brands are now struggling. They're going to have to figure out a solution because, like, when you go buy Kirkland Costco products. 
you're getting very good quality. It used to be shit, right? It used to be if you bought the, the retail brand uh, that you weren't going to get a good, it was cheap, you know, it wasn't going to be good quality. But Kirkland, great quality. Amazon's trying to do that. Walmart's trying to do that. It's become the age of the retailer. And, and part of the reason for that is brands, in the past, if you wanted a kind of an assurance that you were going to get a good product, because mm-hmm. you know when you're buying in the market, a lot of times you don't know, like, okay, how do I know if this is something that's going to be good quality, if it's going to be worth the money? And it was brands. Like, okay, yeah. well, I know, you know, I know this brand. They make good stuff. I know, you know they have a good reputation. Well, today, that's not as important because I'll tell you what, when I buy stuff on Amazon, I don't give a shit about the brand. Reviews. I go right to the reviews. Yep. I go right to the reviews. That's you know? the one of the main factors that's really changed the entire market. The entire, like you said, the way that we look for quality, the way that we look. I mean, our peers have so much influence. Uh, and, and that's the thing, too. Like, it, it did before. It just wasn't organized. Mm-hmm. Like, you would ask your neighbor or your friends, like, oh, you know, what what products do you use for this or, you know, for your hair or whatever? Like, do you have any recommendations? And it's like, now that's all, like, very nicely organized. Well, it's... it's Costco's it was, a good example. Of this. Great example. That's, that's a very good point. You know, I remember I used to make jokes about going to Costco and uh, I could get a garage door and a wedding dress uh, <laughs> you know, the same day. You know what I'm saying? Like, but like, there's probably a lot of people listening right now that are like, oh, I actually got my garage door and I got my wedding dress there, yeah. right? Like, I mean, that's we're the scary part that I think. I don't know if it's scary. It's interesting to me that you know we're going to have just a handful of these monsters that are really going to have all the control because they can reverse engineer everything. Like, mm-hmm. what what Costco can do, and what I'm sure they did to figure this out is like, okay, we have. You know, X amount of, of people that are members. Uh, these people are into X, Y, and Z. Why are they into wedding dresses? What are the things they, that need? And what are the most important things? And they reverse engineer it. And they go, mm-hmm. okay, they want something convenient. They want something uh, affordable. They want something they, they can try on right then and there. Like, okay, how do we present that, you know, for a lower price? Because we have all this power. So we can buy in bulk and we can do these things. This is what Amazon and Walmart are going to do to all these other little brands. This is too like, and I know we have friends that are, are very successful. I know Mike is probably one of the most successful uh, supplement companies that we have that it's a, or that's a friend of ours. But to me, what a scary time or what a scary business to try and get into. Well, so here's what I was just going to get on that, uh, yeah. exactly on that topic. Well, for, first two things. Costco, they broke the mold because rather than making the products themselves and then slapping Kirkland on it, they went to the manufacturers who made good products and said, yeah. hey, we'll buy it in bulk, <laughs> sell it as Kirkland. And they agreed. Right. Like, I heard that their vodka is... Uh, uh, Sky. Sky. Yeah. They're, the macadamia nuts oh, that wow. they sell... I knew it. The macadamia nuts to sell is this is from the same company, that Hawaiian company or whatever. Yeah. And they just sell it in a Kirkland same just color. go direct to the source and then uh, offer them... That's what I think is going to happen. Well, well this, was, this was the lesson that I was... Tra- I mean, we're building a very similar model. Um, I was explaining this to Eli the other day with, you know, uh, trainers that are trying to create like uh, their own programs or do things like that. And I said, you know, and I said, you you guys are trying, you know, Mike and him, they're doing their, their program. And I'm trying to explain to him, I said, you know, it's going to be really tough if you don't have the, the network and the people first. Like you, that's more important in business than now than having a really good idea totally. because a big company, and I use us as an example, and I said, I would never do this to you because I love you. I said, but you know, if I was a very shrewd businessman and I didn't like you, but I liked what you were doing mm-hmm. and you come out with this great product and it, man, it's so thorough and it's the information, it's very science-based and it's something that I don't provide here at Mind Pump. Well, fuck bro. 
we have the power, the resources, the manpower, and the, the money, and most importantly, the network of people that I would let you figure out all the, the kinks and you know fall on your face a few times, redo it better, 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 better. And then just as you start to get traction and you're starting to make some good money, then a big company like me comes in, reverse engineers exactly what you've done, and we put it out and we can market it and we can introduce it to an audience that's five, six times larger than the one that you not only not have now, but you won't even have for the next two years sure. because that's so important. Sure. And this is what's happening with brands versus retailers is you've got these massive retailers that have already created a loyal a loyal following of people that are coming to the have like Costco or like an Amazon or like a Walmart that we know we get good product when we come here now they do is just go they go do their research and their homework they find the the brands the things that people are trying to buy and they reverse engineer it well look at uh, we were talking about supplements earlier and you, you brought up Mike I'd see I, here's why I think Mike is in the perfect position in the past and we'll talk about supplements in the past if you wanted to create a supplement line, and you wanted to do well with it, you had to somehow develop some kind of trust. Like, how can I get people to trust that my protein powder or my creatine or whatever is good? And the old way to do it was you got to have to get a bodybuilder celebrity to, you know, get on the cover of your bottle or to, to, to you know, sponsor one of these guys. Because then people like, oh, you know, Dexter Jackson, this is his supplement company that he goes under. So now we kind of trust them. Well, today you don't need any of that. All you need are reviews on, on on Amazon. If you go on Amazon, you look at some of the top-selling supplement companies, these are companies that are not sold in physical stores. They're sold solely on, on Amazon. I don't even think Mike Matthews' supplements are sold anywhere else. Yeah, but the irony of this, and this is what I keep telling people is could potentially happen, is, okay, so Mike, and Mike is probably one of the best at doing this, he has uh, been able to stay at the top of Amazon uh, pretty consistently. He's a top 10, or if not mm -hmm. number one supplement for a lot of his stuff which generates a ton of his revenue, but he also has to give up a significant amount of his revenue sure, to Amazon yeah. because it's on there, which it's a whatever. It's worth it to him, and so he does it. And that's what, and it's a win-win. Now, the scary part, though, and why I said, you know, and or interesting to me, is that any time that Amazon decides that this, this market has grown enough, it's gotten big enough, it's They're no longer a uh, $500 million industry, it's now a $5 billion industry, mm. and they go, okay, I know we're doing all these other great things, maybe it's time for us to focus on this. Oh, look at this, this is so nice, all these companies have provided us the best of the best of everything, now we go in as Amazon, and we reverse engineer all the supplements, yeah, make them just yeah. as good, cut the price by a dollar or two less. All for the Amazon brand. A a Amazon brand, and it fucking crushes yeah, yeah. and then all those people are out of business dude dude, dude that's yeah. a very very scary thing to be in it's, if you're in that space i think it's a great thing um i think oh, it's course. just different right yeah, uh, but different. you know what's interesting is i got a message from uh, two people now amazon's already sending out free samples yeah uh, they're bro they they are setting the table bro i got a guy they who messaged setting me the table and he's what like they do they yeah they they make sure that they spend a bit of money so it's like they'll take a hit but they'll end up like owning that entire part of the market well they're sending free samples of their products but other products too yeah. like i had a guy dm me and he's like dude they know exactly what, and it's mailed to your door imagine go to your door you get your mail you are into i don't know fish oil or skincare products and you get four samples from different skincare product companies do you do you potentially see this stifling a bit of innovation if they're so dominant if there's only like a few companies that are just no like i think juggernauts? i think it's going to drive innovation yep, i yep. think it'll call it underneath their umbrella you'll though? have to become more creative and do better things Absolutely. in order so i agree with sal overall for the consumer this is better it's just a scary place as an entrepreneur if you're in that in that arena that this is how you make well your that's money. what i'm getting at like if you're a brand new you have an idea you're trying 
trying to, uh, you know, go through the whole process like you normally would with creating a brand, getting mm-hmm. loyal following, like all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'd, like, I like I've been paying attention to see like acquisitions and see if like that's a big part of the process, like and that's still going on. And it, it looks to me that they are trying to say that they're not going to keep you know, acquiring, they'll just end up like, uh, basically seeing what you're doing and then do it themselves. That's, that's exactly so what's scary. Yeah. That's well, exactly what's going to happen. You're going to see Amazon just continue to, I mean, they, they, what, three years ago they came in on the bodybuilding scene. So they're just making themselves, they, they look at it like this, like they capture these people, they get them in their, in their network at any time they can flip the switch on. Yep. So it's like, well, they'll assist all these supplement companies and go to bodybuilding and stream it for them and like make make all make all why we're all going like, oh, this is awesome. Amazon yeah. is streaming this for them. Oh, awesome. Amazon delivers my supplements and stores. This is great. All Fox, this gr- Fox in the hand. Absolutely. <laughs> it's the fucking the Trojan horse, bro. Yeah, and yeah. then what's going to happen is at one so point- everybody just ends up working and, for Amazon? And they're getting all the analytics so they can go like, uh, mm. is it worth our time now? It, it, nah, I don't, not it, yet. I, it's not going to be like that. I, I mean, Amazon's definitely a monster, but what we're, what we're already seeing with- with Amazon being as big as they are is more competition. We've already seen now more supplement companies, for example, into the market, more of them being seven figure, some of them right, eight but figure then businesses. they turn around and they create their own products and they're going to eat them up. Well, let's see what happens. Yeah. I, I mean, it, you know, it, it will we'll, look at every single time the market gets more competitive. Um, you it literally because of the competition, you get more innovation, you get more variety, you get more sure. shit. Um, well, where have you, where people survive, like where, why Mike is, will survive and he's fine besides the fact that he's a really smart guy. He's also built his own brand loyalty within his own network. And he's done it the new way, yeah, not he, the old way. Yeah. He's done a very good yeah. job of that. And so there's a percentage of people that because he's provided so much value for their lives that even if Amazon comes with a better product for a cheaper price, that he will still be able to maintain a, a, a good company. I, my fear is, or my thing that I, I caution people are the people that are getting into the space right now. Mm-hmm. To be getting into it right now and trying to establish yourself and establish a brand, or if that's your right. your first way of doing it is, okay, I'm going to come in here and try and uh, you know build my brand in, in the supplement space and you don't have a network already, yeah. who... Well, I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm not like a fear. I'm not fearful of it. Like I, yeah. I love change, especially when the, the consumer benefits from it. I'm just, I'm looking even further forward into the future, and like, it'd be interesting to see how like the market shifts and like accepts like just a few companies doing everything. In my in my personal uh, projection or estimation of what I think the future is going to look like, I think you're going to see a few big, big, big players. And a lot of wealthy but not massive people. I think you're going to see more people who are, you know, seven-figure businesses than you've ever seen before, and less people in the hundred and hundred and fifty and two hundred million, uh, you know, size. Mainly because it's become it's going to become almost impossible to protect your product from patent infringement. It's going to become almost impossible to prevent people from copying you. Go look at China. China's the second biggest market in the world just the sheer number of people that are there. You develop an amazing product in America, I guarantee you somebody's making millions of dollars off of copying your shit and selling it in China. That's only going to get, it's only going to get easier. And so you're going to get less people that become hundred millionaires and billionaires, but you're going to get more people that become, you know, one, two, three million dollar type businesses. So it's going to, Spread out a little bit more. In terms I don't know. Of that's an interesting theory. Yeah, It'll be. So. It, it's. It's definitely. We're in a, a very interesting time in the in the marketing space. It's I love look completely different for sure. Yeah. Love listening to like yeah. Warren Buffett and, and and talk about things like this because that same the same point or the, the same interview. He he's also very heavily vested in a company like Apple. So there are there's still hope for 
for brands to be to be fine and survive. I think it's just important. I think the way you go about things is just a little bit different now. Like f- building a network and adding value to your network and creating loyalty within a community first before even the idea. Where that's not normally how something was created in the past. Like you come up with an invention, you come up with an idea, it's brilliant. You share it with a few people. Oh, that's a great idea. So and then you start to push. To- totally right. Because now it's backwards n- nowadays, because of the ease of access to an audience, uh, if you develop an audience, if you build an audience. That's you can sell any, you yeah. can sell almost anything, and right. we know this. And then shitty and products. You that just have to think differently about it, right? Yeah. And then, then heaven forbid, you have a great product, right? So I always tell people that have a great product or have a great idea. And this was like the conversation I was having with Eli, and there, you know, them having this great product is, you know, you put so much energy in that. You already had a brilliant idea. You already have the right guy to help you out and do it. You that's all. That's the that's the easy part for you. The hardest part is gaining a, a network of people, and so your focus should be on. You know, how do I provide enough value for these people that they want to stay connected to me on a, you know, semi-regular, if not regular basis? And that's where your energy should be spent. This is a little, this is kind of what we talked about uh, a few weeks ago when we were at Red Dot and we, you know, we're talking to all the trainers and it's, it's a beautiful time for, for most people because nowadays you have the capability to build authority and develop an audience of people who really find value in what you're saying way more than you ever could in the past. And it might not be a massive audience. You might only make an audience of 5,000 hardcore followers, which I think anybody with good uh, hard work and valuable information can can create. And those 5,000 people can make you pretty damn... I mean, you're not going to become a super millionaire. No, it's definitely a legitimate business. But you're going to be successful. And uh, you know, on that note with that, man, I'm excited for what we're doing this year, man. I'm going to be going over to Red Dot again and doing sales training for trainers. And I didn't realize how much I missed. I didn't realize how much I missed doing that. Yeah. I really, I love what we do so much that I, I forgot. And, you know, when Adam and I went over there and talked to, you know, their trainers about, you know, building influence and all that kind of stuff on social media, I got that old yeah. feeling I used to get when I would hold meetings and sales trainings and, and shit like that. And so... Yeah, as you get feedback. Well, it's just... It's just, trainers are my people. Person to first, person, yeah. yeah. First of all, trainers are my people. I love trainers. I love talking about certain things, and I love talking about certain things in front of uh, groups. And um, uh, you know, I'm going to do a lot more of those this year. And my goal this year is to do at least a few of those in person things and just reach out to more people. And I don't plan on making a dime from that shit. I just love. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's you know, speaking of that social and uh, Jackie sent over this really cool article. And there's like there's 47. I'll post it in my story. She can put it in the show notes here. Uh, I'm not gonna go over all 47, but I did find a couple on here that I wanted to share with you guys because I didn't know this, and this is something I don't take the time to do. And it's like if it, it increases by this much, why not? What are they? So these these are all uh, this is all Instagram stuff, right? So this it was like 47 facts you should know about oh, uh, Instagram statistics. Mm. Um, and 32% of U.S. teens list Instagram as their most important social network. Okay, I'm sure most people know that. 50% of Instagrammers follow brands, making the social network who are most likely to do so. So here's the stuff that I thought was really interesting. So we know that um, one of the most important things on on social platforms is the actual engagement. Uh, you can have a million people uh, that are following you, but if you know 990,000 of them are looky-loos, then it doesn't fucking matter at mm-hmm. all. That You want people that are interacting, engaging in, the, in, in your brand. So uh, po- posts that include another handle gain 56% more uh, uh, engagement. So I thought that was really... What do you mean include another handle? So if I was like tagging you. So oh, I go like, right, right, you right, know, right. hey, Mind Pump Sal and I are talking at Red Dot, you know, whatever. 
to, is a bad example, but that sure. would be an example of sure. using another. Your hand, your name is your handle. I got it. I got so it. using posts and include another handle, get it fifty six percent more engagement. Hmm. Uh, posts with at least one hashtag gain twelve point six percent more engagement, uh, and posts with a location receive seventy nine percent more engagement. Now that I found really seventy nine. Now. That was the most fascinating to me, and it makes yeah, that, that one. I I've never even done that at all, uh, right? And I'll, and I'll tell you why because I think part of the algorithm where it pops up on your explorer, uh, it takes an account of your location. So if you're so it feeds it to everybody in that location, yes. So yeah, so that will and boost that. So those of you that are on social media and that you guys care about these things, I'll try and share more of this stuff too. I, I used to share more of it on my Instagram back in the day. Um, I think I talked about socialblade.com being a really cool thing to watch. Like, I mean, I love all this stuff because it's just feedback for me. It's just feedback in what's going on with your audience. You, you, it works for YouTube. It works for Facebook, Instagram, uh, I think even Twitter, all the major ones. You Keeping put, up with the algorithms. Yeah, just paying attention to that. And but the I mean, Kardashians. I mean, by, just by adding your location of where you're doing this uh, to increase your engagement by 79%. That's a, can you make up locations for fun? You yeah. can, and I don't know how to do it. Yeah. I, I I could ask. I think Taylor yeah, might. Your mom's I've house seen that. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, I, I've seen that, that exact one yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that exact one before. So it'd be interesting to I'll ask Taylor how to do that. I, I don't know how to do it personally myself. But I'm just, in hell. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. First question is from Rolando Chavez 2. Do sprint intervals increase the strength gains of your legs, or is it just more cardio or hit? Oh, we got in a debate on this exact topic a long time ago. I don't know if you guys remember. Ooh. We were talking about whether or not, if you want to build strength in your legs, if doing sprints would contribute. I personally... More than cardio hit. I personally think if you do the sprints right, so mm -hmm. if, if, you if you train the sprints to, to exhaustion, no. But if you train the sprints to maximize explosiveness... Right. It's a fast twitch explosive interval. Like, boom, I go and then I rest. Definitely. In fact, I've done this before. I haven't done this in a long time, but I've done this before where there was a, a hill that uh, I used to drive to that was by my personal training studio. Yeah. And there was one summer when I'm like, ah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try doing some sprints. I want to get leaner or whatever. And the side, and they were short. They were short sprints. It was like you know, thirty yard, fast as hard as I can up a hill. Right. And um, so it was kind of like weight training. And the the side effect of it was my squats went up mm -hmm. um, in the gym. I got well. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Like if you're, I love. I used to love sprinting on hills, especially because, uh, as far as like like impact on the joints. And then also like being able to go and ramp my intensity way up and, and get that excess of resistance. So just me going up the hill, you know, is more resistance for me to kind of overcome. Mm -hmm. uh, and then like just doing that in a, in a very explosive short burst, it was very beneficial yeah, for me do, muscle building wise. And Now, before we keep going on with this, I do want to do a little, uh, little warning here. Don't sprint unless you know how to run and you're really fit and you got good mobility. <laughs> Sprinting is, yeah, it's the Olympic lift of let's in comparison for 
for walking. Like, you know, like it's, <laughs> yeah. you don't want to just sprint if you haven't even like jogged or, you know, oh my God, it's just, it's a recipe for a tear. <laughs> You're going to hurt yourself yeah. if you just bust out some sprints all of a sudden. But if you can run and you have good mobility, throwing in a few well done sprints uh, I you're gonna probably build muscle and strength, just like you would with really well done uh, plyos. Uh, they've got some benefit. I just don't think the application there, is appropriate for most people. There, and that's I'm waiting to say my two cents on this because I think there's a very fine line here. Yeah. I think that most people that would include sprints into their routine and if they're intending to try and get strength to get strength gains from it, I would argue that. There's probably other things that I would have them do if their main goal is to build strength, and I wouldn't have them spend their time doing sprints. But program correctly and and done right, sure. I think I think it could be a a, a nice a, a nice addition to somebody's training that could definitely benefit you. But I think I see that, and I, I'm glad you brought up the plyometric thing, Sal, because I think that's a very good example of that. Like, it's rare I ever see somebody doing plyos correctly. Very, very rare, which is why I tend to tell people stay away from for the most part, because there's so many other things that you can be doing to benefit your overall physique or performance mm -hmm. than doing jump boxes, especially when you're doing them to fatigue and you have poor mechanics. I feel the same way about sprinting up a hill to, ha to get speed strength gains if your goal is to get strength gains well man i i, I most certainly have um, i'm visiting your phasing and you know what kind of uh, strength cycles are you running what kind of exercises are you doing there's so many things that i'm addressing first if our all our overall goal is to add strength before i'm like hey you should do hill sprints because that'll add strength yeah like that's yeah. not what i would i would no. never go there but if you got great programming you're doing all the things right you've got good mechanics and you're like fuck i want to you know i want to sprint up a hill and maybe there's some carryover because you play sports or do other stuff like i could definitely see some value to that but the the idea if you're going to do it for strength is not to do it uh with like endurance yeah. style where you're going up and down up and down up no, and down no no sprints sprints are weight training for uh your legs running i mean it's it's the one sport type activity that will build the fuck out of your legs if you look at look at sprinters look at all athletes and and besides bodybuilders and powerlifters and you know like like you know weightlifting type athletes so cut those out the biggest, most muscular legs you will see, period, hands down, are on sprinters or cyclist sprinters or uh, sprinters on, on ice skates. Like anybody who sprints with their legs, and I don't care what it is, whether it's ice skates, a bike, or whatever, look at their legs. In fact, some of the craziest quads I've ever seen in my entire life are, were on these Olympic uh, uh, cyclist sprinters. They, 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 there's one guy, I don't even know what his name is, he was a German athlete, and his quads look silly like he could totally stand on stage oh, yeah. uh, mr olympia speed skaters oh. you know like come on like and the thing it the thing to kind of recognize is that like it's a very short burst it's yeah. this isn't this is anaerobic for the most part i mean this we're trying to just get as explosive as possible in a short amount of time so it's not like i'm trying to turn this into nope uh, an endurance it's, a, it's olympic lifting to strength training yeah yeah, what do you exactly. think of it like that? It's the yeah. greatest expression, and I'll bet your ass the cyclist, the sprinter uh, that you guys are talking about 
has a dialed in fucking program and is as weight training oh, rest periods are well made is 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 weight training correctly building lots of muscle For sure. and then they're going out and they're you're they're expressing that explosively and that's the and like we talked about the other day with you know like a you know a snatch like that is the greatest expression but mm-hmm. there's so many prerequisites that should be done before that that are going to benefit the average listener so much more before going here i just think that I see this done wrong a lot, and there's many things that should be addressed in your in oh, your yeah, lead up. Oh yeah, because it'll expose any kink in the chain, and that's that's really the the biggest issue mm-hmm. that we have is why we always throw these caution warnings like yep. every time because it is it is like the ultimate expression of uh you know moving and 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 running so if you're if you're gonna sprint i mean this is gonna this is gonna leave you susceptible to to any kind of a crack yeah and i think i have i'm thinking right now of all the sprinters that i've ever worked with or known i have yet to meet a sprinter and i mean a real sprinter not someone who's like oh i sprint sometimes somebody who's like oh this is what i do in high school so i do in college this is what i do i have yet to meet a sprinter who didn't have phenomenal uh, leg development, full glute, ham, quads, uh, uh, you know, calves. But part of that, I think, is the sprint. The other part of it is sprinters are, if you do it like for a sport, you are training technique, technique, technique. You right. are practicing the skill yes. Yes. of sprinting versus a lot of times when people lift weights, they go in there thinking they're just going to hammer their legs and they don't treat it like a skill. I've talked about this a million times. If you treat your weight training like you're learning a skill, the long-term effects and benefits you're going to get are going to far supersede what you would get if you just went in the gym to hammer yourself. Way better. And you see this with athletes who practice. Again, sprinters who do this as a sport, they're not out there trying to hammer their legs with their coach. Their coach is watching their 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 technique the entire time, and they're maximizing their takeoff and where they place their foot and their hand position and oh, yeah. all that shit. Energy management. Next question is from Misty Gets Real. You talk about the importance of both sleep and exercise. If I have to short myself on sleep or do a workout in the morning, should you go with the sleep or do the workout? There's a, a hierarchy of important things that you need to do to maintain good health uh, in your life. And, um, you know, water, for example, is a little bit more important than food. In other words, you can last without food way longer than you can without water. Sleep is pretty damn close to being at the top. Like you cannot work out for a week and you'll lose some performance and but you'll be all right. Don't sleep for a week and you'll die. Um literally, if you actually did not sleep for a full week, your your risk of death would be quite high. Sleep is extremely extremely important and it should be prioritized over workouts. And I've seen way too many people who do the whole, oh, I only get five hours of sleep every night because I have to wake up and do my workout, and, and we're dealing with crazy HPA axis dysfunction. I'm dealing with their bodies won't lose body fat. They won't build muscle. The performance is shit. They're living on coffee, and they think they're doing themselves a benefit by you know, not getting an extra hour and a half of sleep so they could do a workout. Um, you're actually not. So sleep, and I feel this is a one-off thing. That's, I was just going to interrupt you there because I, th- I believe we talked to, to Dr. Andy Galpin a little bit about this. And, you know, there, there's something to be said about uh, occasionally uh, pushing ourselves in these environments, right? Like mm-hmm. if I'm somebody who always gets really good sleep or if ma- majority of the time I get really good sleep, really good sleep, really good recovery and I'm fine. And then I just, and tomorrow morning I decide I'm going to go swim laps in the pool and I'm going to front squat, right? That's what I'm doing tomorrow morning. And I just happen to have a, a rough night. 
Now, going and still going through and pushing through the gym that one time, I, th- I think there's actually more benefits than there is detriment that one time, especially if I go right back to a good sleeping pattern yeah. the next time after that to, to, to press my limits like that, sure. to stretch myself one time, not a big deal. But the things you got to be careful of are the chronic offenders, like what you're saying, which is more common if you're somebody who prides himself on never sleeping and you get up and exercise all the time. That you have to be able, and this is why this answer is different from whoever I'm talking to. If you're a type A personality, kind of like what Sal is saying, then I absolutely think that you need to prioritize sleep. You should take the day off of exercise. You should start to reorganize it a little bit. If you're on the other side of the fence where you consistently get good sleep, you just happen to have one bad day of sleep and you were also supposed to get up the next morning and work out and you go, oh shit, I heard on Mind Pump, sleep is more important than my workout. I'm not going to go work out today. Like, no, it's okay. Go work out. You know what I'm saying? But What percentage of people would you say get really good sleep all the time? (laughs) Nowadays? Slim. Yeah. Very slim. It's almost none. Uh, This is true story now. I've had several clients who were like this, who didn't get good sleep, and had to work out every single day. And I scaled their workouts way down. Like I'm talking about people who worked out six days a week and I brought them down as far as two days a week and had them get better sleep. And you know what ended up happening? They built more muscle and burn more body fat. Well, yeah. this is what this goes back to when we first met and when you sent anabolic over. And again, some of the things that I had I had put together already in my career that that's exactly what has happened to eighty percent of my clients was, mm-hmm. and especially the ones that love to train six days and seven days a week. And the more I could give them, the more they would do. I realized that those people did better on a three day a week type of a training program where they had more rest and that became more of a priority. Mm -hmm. They responded better. Yeah. When you start thinking about the minimum viable dose, like, like are, do you really need to be hitting the gym like five days a week, you know, just, just to maintain whatever aesthetic or whatever like level of fitness that you're at, or is there, you know, a more optimal, optimal approach and and more efficient use of your time and uh, I, I don't think people really think of it that way all the time. I think more is always better. And so I think that, you know, to be able to figure that out is going to be everything in terms of like the amount of stress that you're getting from just like relationships, job, not sleeping, mm-hmm. like all these things. They're, they're all factors that accumulate. And, and really this, if you could draw that all up and, and see that, that would be awesome to kind of like be able to assess like where you know, you are level of stress wise. And there's two, there's two things, two points I want to make here. First off, your sleep requirements change based off of your, your life. So if you're going through a divorce or you just lost your job or someone just died or, you know, your diet's really poor or whatever, you're going to need more sleep. This is why when you're depressed or stressed out, people sleep all day long. It is your body trying to balance out the stress that it's receiving with a parasympathetic recovery period. That's what your sleep is. It's the most, the the best recovery thing that you do in your entire life is get uh, good sleep. So that's number one. So if you're like, oh, but I get eight hours every night, but I fucking exhausted still. And then you think about it like, well, my job's hella stressful right now. I'm going through a divorce. Like, okay, well sleep more. You need more sleep. Your body's trying to balance you out. The second thing is this, the the reason why we're working out, most of the reason, not all, some, a lot of us work out for the sake of it and we enjoy doing it, but a lot of us want our body to improve and change because of the workout. That is an adaptation process. Every time you burn body fat or build muscle or get stronger or increase your mobility, your body is adapting to the stresses of the workout. Your ability to adapt to anything is severely limited when you're sleep deprived. When you're not getting enough sleep, your entire adaptive process can go to shit. In fact, 
when you're at a level where you're getting terrible sleep, really, really bad sleep, your ability to do basic things like fight off infections, uh, kill cancer cells, uh, you know, delay or, or prevent from developing autoimmune issues, that shit goes way the fuck down. Uh, and I guarantee you, everybody listening knows exactly what I'm talking about. If you're going to get sick, it's usually around the time you're not getting good sleep. So it's like your body is literally mm-hmm. looking at its priorities and it's literally saying this, okay, uh, we got to take care of all this other more important yeah. stuff. It allocates all the resources. Yeah, we can't fight viruses. You're going to get a cold. Yeah, or we can't build a bunch of muscle right now. Yeah, definitely not right. going to build muscle or burn body fat. Right. right. Next question is from Farmer Pear. What's the bigger culprit for bad health these days? The infamous desk job or our bad food habits and overeating? This is this was an interesting one. I picked this question because yeah. I I think this is kind of the pendulum Both. is yeah. is changing here. <clears throat> what I mean by that is I think uh, food has been you know, bad, food and bad habits around eating has been the culprit for a long time. But what I see happening with uh, cell phones and how much we're attached to these electronics and everything's conveniently coming to us and we don't have to get out. Uh, the human body is just, uh, as a whole, we're moving less. Our behaviors are, are definitely changing. Yeah, and so I, I really predict that this generation now, the kids that are growing up right now, uh, we are going to see, and it's already happening now, so we've kind of talked about it on the show, but I th- it's not not at the rate that I'm claiming. I'm claiming it's going to be a big fucking deal. The way that we talk about obesity, we are going to be talking about kids' posture and the issues and the things that are coming from that because we've never seen what it's like to have a child at three years old uh, be attached to a tablet or a phone mm. from three years old all the way up till their adulthood. And I think that's going to that's gonna cause some yeah. serious shit. In the past, if you had asked me this question, I would have said, hands down, bad food habits right. and overeating, 100%. I changed my mind now. And the reason why I changed my mind is because there's, for, for two reasons. One, eating habits and nutrition is way more complex than being active. And it's, it's so, you know, I can get someone to just be active and sure, they're not going to have the best workout. They might not develop muscle the way they want or correct imbalances the way they want. But just being active has such a positive effect on the human body versus changing someone's diet. It can be a lot more complex than just eat less, for example, or, you know, is paleo going to work for this person? Or, you know, it's just, it's a complex thing to, to tackle. So that's number one. The second thing is evidence is showing that like strength is a, a tremendous predictor of long-term health, just strength. They're not looking at the person's diet. They're not looking at their blood lipid levels. They're literally saying, squeeze this handle. We're measuring your strength. We can predict with this much accuracy that you're probably going to die of, your all-cause mortality is going to be in this range. Or can you stand up off the floor without using your hands? Okay, you're, you can, great. Your all-cause mortality has gone down by like a significant number, like 20-something or 30-something percent. It's ridiculous. So nowadays, I would say it's the inactivity. It lets you get away with a lot more. Now, the problem with the inactive thing is that uh, modern life does not lend itself well to daily activity. It just doesn't. You have to schedule it. Mm-hmm. You have to make it, make it a priority because everyday life stuff involves lots of sitting. It involves almost no... I can't think of anything I do on a daily basis around my job or stuff around the house that involves any vigorous activity. Like washing the dishes takes nothing... And I do that every day. Uh, washing clothes is once a week. That's not like what do you do every day that's active that's not scheduled like or you're, where you're trying to make the you know the right. actual attempt. Yeah. Right. So I think it's it's now become a much more 
important thing. And you're right, Adam. We're going to see what's going to happen because in the past, this was not an issue with kids. You didn't have to get kids to be active. Yeah. Today, kids are now inactive like their parents are. Yeah, and I think that's, that's a big factor that you know we used to move a lot more and then the food was a problem because – uh, there wasn't as much awareness in terms of like the quality of food or like whatever factors uh, contributed towards obesity, like just from, you know, consumption. But now it's like, okay, now we have this phone and we have the distraction to Adam's point where I find, you know, I, I stress out the most about what, what we're going to become be- because it's such a distraction. Like it, it literally will, like you could be mindlessly sucked into this process and, and be addicted to this process and not even know you didn't move for, right. for all this, you know, long period of time. And then on top of that, like you may be eating some shit just because like your body's craving something and you don't yeah. even realize like it, it, it feeds into this sort of mindless experience of that, that, you know, now the awareness is out, you know, out the door. Yeah. In the, in the past too, I would be like, well, it's bad food habits because, Trying to work out to lose weight uh, without fixing your diet, not, you're not going to lose that much body fat. Uh, fixing your diet, you'll, you can definitely lose a lot of body fat. And I thought, okay, obesity, that's the big problem. So it'd be bad food habits. But now we're looking at evidence that shows that people who are active and exercise, who are also overweight, and I'm not talking about the super obese. I'm talking about like 30 pounds overweight. They've got good health. So you can actually have good health in a pretty wide range of body fat, you know, everywhere from for a man between seven percent body fat, which is shredded, to maybe 19 percent, if they're active and they're 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 fit, the the health the negative health effects associated with just obesity are actually pretty minimal, as long as they're active and fit and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. that is also kind of changing my mind. And then in the past, mm-hmm. we used to think that overweight people were would have a lot of strength and muscle because of the simple fact that they're carrying a lot of weight. What we're finding now is that's not true. They're finding high levels of sarcopenia, which is muscle loss, in the obese, in the severely obese, So um, because of their lack of activity. So I think uh, now I think I'm definitely tilting more towards the, the, the desk job stuff than I am the, the bad I food j- I just think there's more awareness around food, right? Like, I mean, we talk about organic foods weren't even in grocery stores 10, 15 years ago or whatever it was, right? I mean... And now you see that everywhere. You have companies like the Thrive Markets that are popping up. You have a lot of you have a lot of people becoming aware that there's a lot of foods out there they should be careful. Mm-hmm. So there's just not a lot of people that I think that are talk speaking to uh, the lack of movement, the posture, and the negative effects of these tablets and phones, or else we wouldn't see all of our kids glued to them already. Mm-hmm. So and that's just because I don't I don't think the worst is here yet. I think we are. At some of the worst times uh, with obesity, I, even though I know all the statistics show that we're continuing to still go up, but we're also going up as a population. So I do think that uh, that the pendulum is is kind of peaking over there, and we're going to see it swing hard the other direction with the the lack of movement mm-hmm. and the posture thing. I think is going to be it's going to be really crazy when we start seeing teenage boys and girls who can't perform certain movement because they've literally like rounded their bodies well, and shit. So, dude, like, it's, it's, Life expectancies actually drop for the second time in a row in modern times in America, and part of it is uh, because of suicide and opiate overdoses. But the one that scares me a lot is the suicide increase, and I, I'm pretty sure opiate overdoses are connected. Because why do people do you know take tons of opiates, right? Because they're depressed or whatever. Um, activity is a phenomenal singular thing you can do 
to alleviate things like anxiety mm-hmm. and depression. Studies have shown this time and time again. Not only that, but we've also seen studies that show that, that your there's a direct correlation between your posture and your mood. So if oh, there's a feedback, absolutely. Yeah. So if you if we start rounding and rounding and closing and closing our bodies for years and years and years, it's just naturally going to make you more and more depressed. There's you- a circular feedback loop that happens with that, which is interesting. If you are anxious or depressed or stressed out, you will hold a particular type of posture. So like a classic example would be the emo teenage girl who shoulders forward hair is in front of her face bit, yeah because yeah. she's super insecure or super whatever right feeling you know bad about herself but that posture also feeds right back into your brain telling your brain how you should feel and they've shown that they, they both feed each other so simply by changing your posture your brain receives a signal that says wait a minute mm-hmm. we should feel better because we're standing in a particular way and it actually can help change or break that that loop but if you stay in that loop where you're already anxious and depressed you've got bad posture because you're inactive mm-hmm. the bad posture then tells your brain yep keep feeling this way and it just amplifies you getting that power triple extension pose next question is from patrick denova as a trainer how do i keep clients accountable to the simple tasks that i ask them to do Ugh. Do a better job. <laughs> no, you know what? <laughs> Come on. You know why? Come on, guy. Let me tell you why I'm saying this because this a lot of trainers are like, Ugh, my clients, they don't do you know exactly what I'm telling them. Well, first of all, it's not your job to keep them accountable. So forget that. That's not what a trainer does. What a trainer does is uh, you train people when they're with you, you educate them, and you communicate them to them in a way that gets them to understand for themselves what they need to do to get where they want to go. You are a mirror, in that, a sense. And, and this is different from person to person. So what you think are simple tasks, obviously, are not simple to right, this client. Right. That's, Ch- the, that's the disconnect right change there. Change it. Change it. Like, I had to, this, this was a fucking learning lesson for me about, I don't know, five years into my career as a personal trainer, where I'm thinking to myself, like, why can't you just eat the macros? It's so simple, you know? And, and at some point, I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, why don't I just, like, make them drink? more water. Let's just start right there. Mm-hmm. And, and the way people build confidence and the way you can get your clients to do these big tasks is to get them to do the small shit that you know that they can do, that they know they can do, mm-hmm. and then build their confidence to move up the ladder. And it's not going to feel like this whole... Because I I, I, was, I had a lot of trainers that did this and I used to have to sit them down and talk to them where they... It's like, they, they okay, uh, I'm going to text my client right now, make sure that they're eating the right thing. And, and oh, did you eat bad? We got to talk about that. Yeah. It's like, you're not going to, that client's not going to stay with you very long. No. You're not going to do a very good job if you keep down that. No, you need small wins. You need these things to build off of and really like, I mean, if, if obviously it's a confidence thing too. It's like, it, I mean, you don't think they go home and like sweat about the fact that, oh no, I I'm, I'm probably shouldn't be doing this. Like constantly just beating themselves up and that's how they got there you know like let's get them to be like oh i'm stoked like with this one thing like, i could just start eating like some kale like and, and let's talk about that yeah how many people how many times do you guys think people think about working out with a trainer before they actually hire and work with a trainer there's right? there's studies for this yeah, it's like, like three months yeah mm. it's like three months and sometimes longer right just so the very the, the simple fact that your client is working out with you to them was a pretty big step. And I had clients like this that just didn't do anything else. They worked out with me two or three days a week. They didn't do anything else with diet. They didn't do anything else with stuff on their own. But I was like, okay, at least they're coming to see me two or three days a week. Let's keep going. And every single one of those clients over time, and sometimes it took a long time, 
over time, little by little, shit would improve. Whereas three years later, their nutrition is a lot better than it was when we first started. But I was just because they were consistent with me just to begin with, you know? Well, first I would say um, ask better questions uh, or be more specific because simple tasks uh, is so vague that I have no idea what we're talking about. Are we talking about telling your client to drink four glasses of water and that's a simple task you're thinking? Uh, or is a simple task for you, meaning that you want them to log all their food consistently for a week, like, and you consider that a simple task and they're not doing it. So, and both those, I have different uh, advices to give to you. So I think if you want a better answer from everybody too, I think you've got to be more specific with what you're challenged with. In my experience, when, uh, I have a challenge with clients adhering to anything that I'm telling you to do, it's because this, the task is not simple and, or I'm giving them too many tasks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we've talked about this on the show before that when I start off with somebody, it is, it's, I don't, I don't, I'm not giving them anything. In fact, they're giving me, I want to see everything they're doing, everything from movement and steps and their workouts and their food that they're currently eating without trying to impress me. I want to see normal. I want to see normal Patrick for one week. And from there is where I then give them these tasks and I start as simple and as low as possible and I drill that one task home until it's become a habit. And then I add on to that task. Mm -hmm. And you might have somebody who you think is a very simple task, like Sal said, but it's not simple to them. It's obviously not if they're not executing it. Do you guys remember that um, psychology researcher that we had come in once and do analyze our personalities? Remember her? So she was a client that hired me, and this these were her literal words when that, she first hired me. She was referred by one of my doctor clients. So she comes in, and she literally says this to me, I'm not working out more than once a week, and I'm not going to work out on my own. I'm like, okay, this is what, <laughs> this is what we're going to start with. Here's what I could do. Here's with my one. demands. And I'm very honest with her. Okay, that's fine. We're limited. However, once a week is better than no times a week. Here's what we can do with once a week. Here's what we can achieve. No problem. And she was shocked. Because she had gone to other trainers who had told her, nope, sorry, if you want to yeah. work out with me, you got to come four days a week or you got to do stuff on your own. And I said, that's fine. We'll just do once a week. We'll, we'll work with what we can. And you know what's funny? Over time, this young lady started working out with me twice a week. Then she came three days a week. Then she started working out her own. Then she cut sugar out of her diet. Then she changed her diet. Then she kind of became like this health fanatic. But it took years. But had I been the the trainer that I was early on, which was like, no, you're doing it this way, and this is a simple task. Who cares? Come in twice a day, and you know, try to push her and motivate. She would have never come at all, mm. and I would have lost that person, and I would have failed as a personal trainer. Well, this also feeds into the sales part, <clears throat> which I know some of the trainers that listen to us appreciate. This side of it is, if you have a client that has that is struggling with one simple task and you know they need to do 15, 20 other things, you're now building out your what you plan to be doing with them over the next three, six, nine, 12 months. And that's how I would tell them. I'd say, listen, here is here is the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is we're eating like this. We're training like this. Your calorie intake is like this. You feel like this when we work out. Your sleep is like this. Your posture is like this. You move like this. Like I'm giving them all these things that we, we are working towards. And then I, then I scale it all the way back to where you're at currently now. And then I focus on one task or one thing that's going to head us in, the, in that direction. And so while I'm training them and I'm getting them to nail down that one thing, and they're like, well, what about all this other stuff you said we're going to do? Like, 
We're not going to do that until I've prioritized as your trainer. That's what you trust me to do is to prioritize all the things that I need you to be doing. And we're starting off with the most important thing I need you to do, which yeah. is this. Once you create that as a habit, I'm now going to build upon that. And then I'm going to, and then I'm going to make that a habit and then I'm going to build upon that. And what's beautiful is most people have a lot of things they need to work on. And if you lay that out really well, you've laid out the next months and potentially years that this person's going to be training with you. And it makes a lot of fucking sense. And you'll actually have a lot of success because you're only throwing one thing at a time at them and getting them to make that a habit. Yeah. Towards the end of my career, I realized, uh, you know, getting them to understand and trust that you have them and you can steer them in the right direction is everything from the beginning. And so, you know, a lot of it is led by you and, and this is, you're making them comfortable, but there, there was this shift where I would start to sort of turn that coin to them. And I, I would challenge them. Like every time you're with me, you need to ask me questions. Like you need to ask me like, what's like what I should be doing? What, you know, why are we doing this exercise? Like, you know, what do you think about this food that I've started to introduce? What do you think? Like, then it starts, they start to internalize the process that way. And so for me, it was always tough because I'm always like hammering them with like, this is, I'm, I'm the Oracle. I'm the guideline for you. Like, you know, I'm like this, I'm like Google in a sense, but it's like, I need that. I need for them to own it. You need to own your own experience. And so like, I will help to get you and, and, and do these little micro turns for you to, to stay on the right path. Excellent. Uh, well, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to read something because I, mean, I won't share who it was because she's a, she's a friend and you know, this is the type of stuff like, and, and I guess it doesn't matter how long you've trained with someone or you, and you know, these answers, this still happens with, with clients is, they, they, they forget the importance of laying the foundation. And uh, I'll just re- I'll explain what this person wanted to do. This person wanted to, uh, you know, do a show. You know, they want to train and get ready for a show in uh, like th- four months in June or like that. I said, <laughs> my, this is my response. Don't talk to your clients this way, but you have to have a really good relationship to go here, but you'll get the gist of this, right? <laughs> I said, you should get punched in the mouth for even saying time frame with our fir- without first tracking and finding out exactly where your caloric maintenance is, movement-wise, body fat-wise. From there, I will tell you if it's short time frame or a long time frame. A realistic goal is half a percent of body fat per week in a very he- with a very healthy metabolism. If your calorie maintenance is under 2K right now, you can add two, I said, you can add weeks to that goal for sure. First, speed the metabolism up before you even try and cut. So 16 weeks out is uh, is enough for reducing approximately 8% body fat in a perfect world. So June is closer than you think. I said, I have no idea where you are right now, but you better be thinking these types of things before you go that route. And there's steps to this process before you get you throw the whole kitchen sink at your clients and you got to get them to focus on these. And I guess and this is an exa- the example I'm showing you is somebody who I've probably drilled this into a million times and I still have to keep reminding that is part of the job as a trainer is they kind of forget that they, they, they put all that, uh, they put that all on you to be that reminder for them. And you just got to keep reminding them that there's this, there's a huge long-term goal that we're shooting for. And my goal right now is to get you to create good habits that are going to result in that long-term goal or else it'll never be Mm long-term success for you. And then like Justin said, getting them to believe in you that you have this ability to give them that direction and then laying it out for them and again, that sets up uh, the resign. It sets up this this training that you're going to be doing with them for a long time because it doesn't happen overnight. Excellent. Look, uh, go to mindpumpfree.com and download our guides. They're all free. They're great content. We created 
them to give people great information on things like how to develop your arms or your legs or your midsection uh, or how to become a more successful personal trainer. Again, it's mindpumpfree.com. Also, you can find our individual social media pages on Instagram. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal. And you can find Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.